0: Good morning. So the obvious, I'm not Heath, um, but Heath had an opportunity this morning. Uh, You've seen him here. He's okay. Um, But he had an opportunity this morning uh, to go baptize his nephew. So um, he's back now uh, to critique and criticize what I say. He'll point at me a little bit. It's it's okay. Uh, But no, but we're glad he got to be here this morning, but he's got to baptize his nephew this morning, which is really neat. Uh, And so I'm going to fill in a little bit. Uh, yes, we're in the series of Mark, so if you want to turn to the book of Mark, um, and then just keep turning and go to the book of Luke. Okay, so he told me it's, it's the same story. We're going to talk about a story that's in Mark, but Luke gives a little more detail, so we're going to live there. Uh, so that's where we're going to stay. So just open to, to Luke chapter 7. That's where we'll begin. And again, I'm not as good a pastor as Heath, but I am quicker, so we'll get started and you get out early let's pray father god thank you so much uh god for today uh god thank you for your word god and and even if we can find a story in in a couple of chapters god what we can learn from it uh god and just be with us this morning and let us learn uh, exactly what patrick said how we come to you uh god and just be with us here and i pray amen so i'll tell you a little bit uh that'll shock most of you i was in junior beta um so there's that my mama made me um i got whoopings for bad grades so i didn't i got good grades and so I was in junior beta, that's the only time, I hope I never travel outside of probably where I can see. Like, I don't even want to get on a plane, like I don't even, no desire to fly anymore. Uh, The last time I got on a plane, it was very, oh my gosh, you're in a tin can kind of feeling, and I couldn't get over it, and so uh, there's that. But when I was in junior beta, I went to Washington, D.C., and to New York. Uh, New York, I remember nothing but buying Oakley fake sunglasses. Um, I'll tell you one story there. Um, he wanted $20. I talked him down to 5 because that's all I had. And he gave me change for a 20 to buy $5 worth of sunglasses. I'll never forget it. I talked him down, and I went, oh, no, I've only got a 20 And handed it to him. I thought he was just going to take off running. But he broke change and gave it to me. Only thing I remember in New York. Washington, D.C., on the other hand, we started going to museums, um, and, and I tried to care. I tried so much to care, um, and I wanted to care, and I just didn't. And so I walked through these these museums as I'm walking. I just start, I mean, y'all, you know, I don't know, what was was in sixth grade, fifth grade or something. I don't know how old that is, um, but I was impatient. I was a young man, and all I'm seeing is like a picture of an old man and a picture of an old lady, and then a naked guy, and then another picture of an old lady, and then another picture of an old man, another naked person. And I just got, oh, so let's get through it. And so by the couple of hallways, I've just got my head down, and I'm just walking because I don't care about all this. And so I get out, and I'm just done with it. And I end up sitting by myself for 45 minutes on the steps outside because I beat everybody there through this museum that much. And I watch street entertainers. And so that's what I did. But the next thing, we went to the Lincoln Memorial, and I just stood there in awe. Like I couldn't, I was speechless. Uh, I'm an Abraham Lincoln fan, and so I was just, I knew a lot about it. And I'd come to it with a little background, a little knowledge, and so it just made me stand there. And tour guides would come and go, and people would come and go, and I just, I was in awe standing there to the point thank goodness my mother was with me she come and got me it's like hey we got to go on the bus so you're going to be up here with Lincoln all day and so the reason I tell you that we're going to look at a story in Luke and just put yourself there and because when i watched the story unfold it's in mark and we're in the series in mark and that's how i got here luke just has a little more detail but as that as this story happens i was just there I was in it. I was speechless. I was awestruck. And like Patrick said, lo- let's just look at how we come to Jesus. There's a, there's a few ways. Uh, and there's also some ways we can learn and some things we can learn of about the, the truths that are in this pic- in this picture. Uh, so that's what I'm going to try to do. So as weird as this sounds, guys, I get it. It's weird. Put yourself in the situation of this lady today. Uh, just your heart and how you may have felt and all the things that will come with it. Because it's a really neat story Uh, We're going to walk through it. So if you have your Bibles and you're not in Mark, you're in Luke, um, read Mark today. That's your homework from Heath. Read Mark chapter 14. That's where the other one's at. Uh, But here we go, starting in chapter 7, verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him that if Jesus was asked if Jesus would eat with him. And so he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. Right, so Pharisees are the powerful people in the community. They're basically religious. right? If you look up the word, what does it mean? It means separated one. so there's some probably purity there. They invited Jesus over, and we're really not sure why, but if we look at the treatment of Jesus, it's pretty obvious really quick. He, he's not in need of a Savior. He's not asking him to come because he's in a, he's, a, he's a Savior or he's wanting any kind of that. He's really wanting to evaluate Jesus and to get on him a little bit right and we see that because of the way he treats him when he walks into dinner right when a when a guy back then when he walks into your house it's customary put a little oil on his head to kind of honor him as a guest as a sign of respect well if you'll read the story there's no oil for jesus and back then it's a sign like for a man to come in the the man of the house would kiss that man as a sign of friendship it's still that way in a lot of countries if you look at the story there's no kiss for jesus and then, then there's also a thing to where they wear some shoes that are just terrible and nasty feet. Ugh. And so they're going to be walking, like my feet stink in shoes and socks. I can't imagine in sandals and mud. But anyway, so surely you got some water for him, right? I mean, we're at least going to wash his feet. If you read the story, there's no water for Jesus. And so what I'll tell you is he, we may not learn much, but he's making a statement. He's telling Jesus, yeah, I'll have you over and I'll let you, I'll evaluate you. But I'm not, I'm, you're not, you're not the king. You're not the authority in my life. He's denying Jesus really quick. He's denying him love, respect, and even just common courtesy. But then the next verse gets really good. Verse 37, it's a lady that comes in and she's really the opposite of what Simon is. 37 says, behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, uh, when she learned that he was reclining at a table, in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So he says, Behold, a woman of the city, a sinner. And he throws the behold in there to let us know hey, something's probably different. Something not ordinary is probably going down. But it's not out of the ordinary that she showed up. That's not the point. She didn't just bust in the, the, the house bust in the window, crawl in, anything like that, She, shes that's not it. Twice it tells us he's reclined at a table, which tips us off, that it's a banquet. It's not your normal Sunday dinner. It's a banquet. What happens there? We bring a table in that's about coffee table height. We all kind of lean in on a pillow. Our feet are kicked back this way, so our faces are close. This is before COVID. Our faces are close at the pillow, and so we can talk. And so it's not uncommon to do that. So the moment, it had some spectacle to it, probably had some entertainment value. If you know the history of TVs, they didn't have them. So this is probably some educational value, some entertainment value. We're watching it all, right? And this guy, like, it's unscripted. It's our rabbi against their rabbi. They're here to learn. We're just going to listen, And what we do when this happens, we leave the doors and the windows open. People can sit around the outside of the windows. They're actually going to sit inside the room up against the wall. So her being there is not the spectacle or the drama. Because she's going to be there anyway. But the question you can ask yourself, are you going to participate when you walk in there? And that's kind of the deal. Because what do you want to do? You're going to go in the corner and you're going to sit down and you're going to be hush. Right, because that's the moment. See, it's a banquet. The lady comes in, and now we're talking drama. Behold, it's not that she came in the house. It's this kind of lady came in the house, right? Uh, What is a person like you doing in a place like this? And I'll stop there a minute. I think some people in two services, the odds are we got numbers. Some of us felt that way when we come in this place. Like if y'all knew what I was about in my heart, y'all wouldn't want me to be in here. right? If we get deep down in our heart a little bit, like at this Jesus gathering, you all of a sudden you feel kind of like this is not the place for me. I'll tell you, if you're there already that quickly, just hang on. You're welcome here. And if you'll just keep listening, this woman is going to show us how Jesus answers your heart. As somebody that comes to Jesus broken, it gets better. So hang with me. But it says a woman of the city who was a sinner. What's the question you want to know? What did she do? She's a sinner. Tell us what you did wrong. He doesn't. Right? Right? So it's, she's got a bad reputation. Back then, reputation, you either broke the law or they're insinuating something about this lady, something about her profession. I'm not going to say it out loud, so you don't just explain it over lunch. You can talk about something else. But they're assuming a certain prof- profession of this lady. That's possible. Or she could have just been a party girl. The point is, whatever her job was, her past is not a secret. Like, everybody knows it, and they judge it when she walks in the door. Every time she comes into a marketplace, a town square, the church building, her mama's house, everybody judges her. And you can imagine if you're that girl, the shame that you see, like when they look at you, right? And that's where she's at. And at some point, I don't know, like where she heard about Jesus, maybe it was earlier when Like if you look in the book of Luke, it it talks about God's grace and his love and how John the Baptist is kind of saying, hey, we're not okay without God. We need a God. We need a Savior. Maybe she heard it then. Maybe she heard that. That's when she heard about it. But what I know is she didn't need convincing. She knew she was wrong. She knew she was distant to God. And maybe that hits on us a little bit. When the music stops, the party's over, and you look in the morning and in the morning in the mirror, we don't like who we are. That's where she's at. She hits a moment where she knows something is not okay. And so she walks into this place to hear Jesus speak about being forgiven or about an opportunity to be invited. The thought that God might actually like somebody of her stature, of her history, and He cares about me. It's going to give her hope. And so what does she do? She summons the courage to walk into that house in front of all those people, in front of a Pharisee, a separated one, holding a bottle of perfume. I bet you couldn't have pried out with a crowbar. And she walks into that house. And then when she gets there, Luke slows down a little bit. bunch of verbs in this next one. If you're an English teacher, take a look. But all the stuff she starts to do, Verse 38 says, And standing behind him and his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair on her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with oil. Why is she behind him? Because he's at a banquet table and he's laying backwards. He's laying forward with his feet back. And so she approaches his feet. And see, I've, I've messed up with some people and had to like apologize. And on my way there, I had a big plan and a speech prepared. And I, got, I wonder, did she have something to say? Did she did she prepare a big speech? Because what it says is she actually never said anything. Her actions speak it all. And may if she wanted to say something, like maybe she hears Jesus about Jesus in a public setting. She's like, man, if I could ever talk to him, I would tell him exactly what I needed, how I feel. But she shows up at this house. She walks in the door and dead gummit, before she looks up, she's at his feet. She's close enough to see his feet. And she's, she's close enough to see his face and his hands. And like, I don't know if she needed to say something. But what happens when you're like an awestruck of somebody that done everything for you? You get in a moment that somebody means the world to you. She didn't say a word. She couldn't. She just comes up to Jesus and begins to weep. Luke uses the word for rain. So it ain't just a barely crying. She's, she's letting, her, letting her eat. It's starting to rain down. She puts her head down to the point on his dusty, nasty feet. She leans over and tears are flowing on his feet. Tommy Nelson said it this way. Eyes that had once been painted up to attract men are now used to wash the nasty feet of Jesus. And see, then she does something back then that's going to look a little bit immodest. She's going to take her hair down. Her hair, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, is the crown and glory of a woman. So you're not going to take your hair down and let everybody see it to your wedding night then. So she, she unbinds her glory, the most beautiful thing she has to offer from a Jewish woman, and uses it as rags on his feet. And those kisses that kiss men are now kissing the Savior's feet. The word kiss is kata phileo. Kata means with. Phileo means love. Why is that important? It's the same kiss that the father gave his son in the prodigal son story. See, she means it. She's kissing his feet in love. And so you got perfume once attracted men. She's pouring it all over his feet the perfect 613 woman right if you look in romans 613 don't look i'll just read it but it says do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourself to god to those from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to god that's what this woman does she takes her body which has been given away in so many fruitless ways and she takes that and puts it at his feet an imperfect offering absolutely if that's us, are we imperfect? Absolutely. I heard a story one time about Oswald Chambers. He was with a bunch of kids and they had played all day and this one kid kind of fell in love with him because he had paid him so much attention. At the end of the day, he reaches in his nasty pocket and he pulls out a piece of candy. And he got a wrapper on it. It's been in his pocket all day long. And the story is he grabs that piece of candy and throws it in his mouth. An imperfect offering a dirty, nasty offering? Yeah. But one given from the heart of love? Yeah. Graciously and gracefully accepted? Yeah. So Jesus takes this imperfect gift from this woman and he accepts it. And this room is smelling right by then, right? And then it starts stinking. Because we see the attitude of the Pharisee take over in 39. 39. It says, now the Pharisee who invited him saw this and said to himself, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman was touching him, for she's a sinner. So he reaches a verdict on Jesus. We said at the start, he's really there just to kind of evaluate him. He didn't show him any respect or love to start. It's this. So he's going to give us an if-then statement that's really contrary to fact. He says, if this guy is a prophet, he would, which he's clearly not, he would know what kind of woman this is, is touching him, which is dirty. And and he uses the like the the when he's talking about touching, he's using the present. It's like she just keeps on. So he's not just offended by Jesus. He's offended by the whole situation. Like the whole scene. But the irony is the Pharisee said it to himself. In other words, what? He's just thinking it in his mind. He didn't say it out loud. He said, if this man was a prophet, he would have he, he would know he'd have the ability to figure it out and i love what the next text says jesus answered him you talking about throwing you for a loop you've been thinking bad about somebody and he answers you uh-oh what else have i thought right the man was complaining to himself in his own mind verse 40 it says jesus answered saying simon i have something to say to you he says say it teacher And he tells him a simple story in 41. It says a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 whatever and the other one had 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Another translation says when they did not have anything which which to pay, he freely forgave the debt of both. Which one will love him more? Simple story. Two people are in debt. One owes ten times more than the other, both unable to pay, both helpless, both in need of grace, both graciously forgiven. Don't forget that. Both graciously forgiven. And so if we think about that, and then let's just think about if you're a money lender and what your job is, this doesn't make sense. When you've loaned money as as a money lender, you make money off the interest. It would be like everybody here that owns a mortgage, that owes a mortgage. If your guy just come in today, it's all free, guys. All your houses are paid for. You don't owe anything, right? Amen. Uh, Heath will open the door, and we'll let that start right now, right? Like, hey, amen. Cars the same way. What if they just come in and forgot all of our debts? See, it's not a normal expect. Nobody's expecting that. Nobody. But yet Jesus is telling us a story of some radical grace that forgives them some debt and then he asks a question who, who who do you who do you think will love him more the person with two two months wages or two years and this is what simon is smart Alec. this is when you want to punch him he goes well i, su- I suppose oh I, he's not even just going to answer him he can't just fully agree right the one that's got the larger debt just yeah way to go right you judged correctly and then he points to the woman and says, hey, I tell you what, let's just let's talk about her for a second. And he's talking to Simon, a Pharisee, somebody that thinks their sin's not that bad. You ever had that thought? My sin's at least not as bad as those people. That's who he's talking to. I would love to say we're way far off, but we're usually not. And it says, turning to the woman, he says to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered the house. You gave me no water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears as soon as I walked in. You gave me no kiss from the time I come in. She's ceased to quit kissing my feet since I've been here. You didn't anoint my head with oil. She's anointing my feet with ointment. And so her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who's forgiven loves little. See so the irony there is Jesus says I no 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 I know exactly what kind of woman this is talking to me I know what kind of woman is touching me I got it Like I I know I know about her But hey Simon you could learn from her in the way she treats me Right you could learn from that Right you don't have this woman felt the weight of her sin and she knows the value of her savior learn that Learn how much your sin costs and then it says, Therefore, I'll tell you, her sins are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Do not hear because she loved much. Because the difference is it's all wrong. We'll miss the parable, we'll miss the New Testament. Right? Remember when Simon told everybody the debt was graciously forgiven. So, what's the result of forgiveness? Like, who would love more? That's the catch in the story. Love is a response of the forgiveness; it's not a prompt to it. Love is a response to the forgiveness; is not a prompt to it. That love displayed is the proof of her forgiveness. It's embraced. The forgiveness of debt that creates love in a debtor. I know how rotten I am. He's going to forgive me. I'll love him. I'm not going to love him so he'll forgive me. Forgiveness will drive you to love. If I know how rotten I am. And I know he's forgiven me. I don't have to worry about the love part. It'll come. Right? If I I struggle there. I would tell you to look at the weight of your sin because his forgiveness is there you're probably not putting the heaviness that you need to on what you're doing but let's move on <clears throat> let, look, let me give you a story for that Stu dude was at his grandmother's house and she had a pool it wasn't a pool anymore it was just a snake pit it was just a it grown up for years had trees in it all that stuff and so The rule when you go to your grandmother's house, don't play by the pool. That's what the parents say. As soon as they leave, what does grandmother do? Exactly what grandparents do, let's do anything. So they go out, play by the pool every time their parents leave, right? And so what happens? This four-year-old kid, he's walking around the edge of the pool. He's seen snakes and tigers and bears on mine there. He does not want to be in the pool. It's a nightmare. And y'all know how this story's going to go. He falls into the pool. He jumps with everything he's got trying to get out. He quickly realizes he's in a limited capacity, and this is terrifying. Because he, this has done it for me. He's seen snakes in there. If I'm in a pool with snakes, y'all going to see this fat kid jumping. Right? I mean, i that's what made me attached to this story. There's snakes in there. Right? And so one thing is clear. He can't get out. And so he, he, his little brother was there. two years older. Um, he didn't do anything either. And so he did the only thing he knew to do. He cried for help as hard as he could. He was in a pickle. He was in a bind. He had put himself in a situation he didn't need to be in. And he cried for help when he realized he couldn't get out. Sound familiar? That's us all the time. And he sees through the slats of a fence right ahead of him, there's this dude just running. And he actually makes a big deal about the guy just jumping the fence in one leap. And that's not important in the story, but I like it. And the kid just runs over, he's about a college age kid it says, and he, the kid's crying and he just throws down the stuff, jumps the fence, and he just drew him out. this guy says you know you don't remember a lot of things when you're four but he remembers that guy leaning down and saying are you okay son you know what he said back to him he said nothing he's absolutely in awe of the one that seen him in his desperation and pulled him out of it to redemption see it like that's the thing if we understand our desperation and how bad our sin is and then we see his redemption on the other hand. It will produce love on the other side. There's no doubt about that. I will be in awe of the one who come to set me free. And then on this story, he just says your sins, which are many. Hmm. You have to say that? All right. You could have just said my sins. Which are many. Thanks for throwing that in there why do you say that why do you say her sins are many i think two maybe two things hey i know who she is he's letting everybody know hey i y'all i i know who this lady is like the disciples don't come over here and whisper in my ear you know who this is and i'm gonna go oh my gosh i'm so embarrassed forget everything i said like no he, he knows exactly who he's talking to He knows how sad and how broken and how desperate she is and he forgives her. And then I think the other thing is he sees her brokenness and he don't just approve of it. Like Jesus embracing sinners is not endorsing of your sin. Right? And we hear some people say and it just gives me a creepy feeling only God can judge me. I've heard that. I've heard that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, because what I think you're saying is you don't judge me because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I want to keep sinning because I want to keep it in my life. But what I'll tell you is sin ain't freedom. That's the point. It's not. It's not freedom. It's enslavement. And Jesus says, "I see salvation. I'm accepting. I want to. I, I, I want to make you who you're meant to be from my grace. When my forgiveness meets your faith, it will change you." Right? You'll become something else. When Jesus hangs out with sinners, why? Because he knows how the gospel works. That's the gospel. We don't change to be accepted. He accepts us and that' ch- it'll change everything. Got me, His love will produce loyalty, right? The other day, I left the gate open my dog's fence in his backyard and monica lovingly and graciously told me as nice as she could and yeah she just hollered at me and uh she said hey right, close the gate and uh so instead of going out the back door where he usually is i went this way because i know if he's out of the gate i kind of know where he's going so i'm gonna head him off at the pass so i cut out i get outside of my garage and i start hollering for my dog his name's abe if you don't know and i i hey, hey you know i didn't want to yell the microphone nothing and i yelled it again nothing now what i didn't tell you was when she said the gates open what was my response he's not gonna go out that's a gamble that's a bet that i didn't want to have to take but now i'm in it so i'm yelling the third time i yell now, by this time I'm in the backyard, I see him or I hear him. He comes out of the gate, through the gate, and just comes over there and sits by me, and crawls out. And my dog don't talk. I, he, I, that's not the, the point here. But if he could. What do you want, man? What? What? Why are you hollering at me? Right? That's what, I mean, he was disgusted at me. And I thought about it. Why? Because he knows who his family is. Like this dog knows without me, yesterday morning, he don't wake up to a bacon biscuit, right? He he don't. He don't eat steak fat last night without me, right? He's going to be hungry, thirsty, unloved, but with us, he gets to lay on the floor of our living room, and Monica has this weird little thing, where instead, <laughs> instead of snuggling, she calls it snudgeling, which I think is cute. But so she snudgles with him, whatever that means, in the floor. Because of our love for him, I can, don't miss it. I can open the gate and say, "Go crazy, man." He's not going anywhere. Right? Because he knows he's accepted by us. He's not working to earn my approval. He works because he's got my approval. Right, He loves me because I've accepted him. So he works. Get me? He's, we are safe from all rats and possums in the greater Athens area. Because he loves me. Right? It says here, this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So we don't have to wonder today when we leave this place, like, did are we really forgiven? Has he really paid all our debt? Because it's Jesus with the payment. Whenever sin happens, there's a debt occurs. That debt has to be paid by Somebody. How does Jesus look at her and say, you're forgiven? Because he knows he's paid the debt. He's forgiven her, period. So I can know this morning when I walk out of those doors that I'm forgiven. I don't have to leave this building with a bit of guilt and shame, period. I can hold my head up high. Why? Because I know Jesus, the Son of God, came to live and he died for me. He lived a perfect life I couldn't. He died a death I deserve and I didn't. as rotten as that lady felt as rotten as we feel in our sin he took it and he buried it to rise clean and new and saved me because i needed him and when we get on a board we get on board with a god like that you don't have to worry about serving being humble Like, I I promise you, World War II, there was a man, there was men in the first 101st Airborne under Colonel Winters. Every single one of them would die for him. Why? Because they got in a pickle. They were all in something. I don't know war terms. They were in a hole. And they had to go over in the other hole over there. But there was guys shooting at them. So to make a distraction, they knew if they sent one guy into the woods, fired off some pops, he'd probably die, but the rest of them get out. So when they come to the meeting, their colonel never asks for a volunteer. He just tells them the plan. At the end of it, who's going? And he looks at them like they're dumb. He goes, I am. So from that point forward, there's no doubt. Those guys would die for him. Why? Why? Because they knew he would take a bullet for them. He didn't just talk about it. He showed them. He took off running. In the movie, he runs. It's It's not just a story. They watched it. And so when I know Christianity is about a Christ who went before me, I know that. Being loyal and serving and joyful, not that tough when I know there's a God like that. When I'm serving a God like that. Church isn't a burden when I serve a God like that. Sometimes I wish it was more than Sunday and Wednesday. If i got to sacrifice other things, can I have to sacrifice? Well, let me know when those things you sacrificed for died for your sins and, and, and forgive you of your sins and talk to me on Tuesday. Because they didn't. That's what I'm trying to say. When we realize we're desperate and He forgive us, we'll love. It's not that tough. We can't help but love a man like that. We can't help but love a man like that. Patrick's coming. And I would say, if you have questions, if Jesus is your Savior, I'll be here. Heath will be back there. We'll love to talk about it. But I would also say, this is what I got hung up in this week. I had to pray and ask God to forgive me of the things I was putting between me and him. So I would say if that's the prayer, let it be. Deal with God where you need to uh, and take care of your business today, this morning. Because here's what I know to be true. If we'll let God in the deepest, darkest places, some of it we're bitter and anger toward family members, some of it we're, incons- we're in- insecurity is in ourself. Some of us may be disappointed with God because our life just didn't turn out like I thought it would. And I'm, I'm really honestly mad. You take that honest heart to God, watch what happens. Because your desperation with his forgiveness, you can't help but love. That's what's on the other side. I'm, I'm telling you, you get on board with a God like that. If I could get on board with a guy that would die for me and go in front of me, would I, would I love him? Oh, yeah. I can't help but love. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word and what we can learn today. God, thank you for loving us and forgiving us. And God, we love you. In your name I pray.